You know, today is one of those days where if you are watching the market and planning to make trades all day, I'd highly advise just taking a step back today and just let the market do its thing. The market's just bloody red across the board. The VIX is up right now, currently right now. Wall Street doesn't have a lot of confidence right now, just investing in general. And it can be really, really interesting to see how this market finishes off the year, especially with December coming up within two months when they're supposed to be what's known as the Santa rally. I don't even know if the Santa rally is going to happen this year. So, but the markets today, ooh, I mean, it's not as bad as it was at some points last week, but still, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of things that are happening. First off today, we'll talk a little bit more about Rivian. They're reporting more news today and what's happening to their stock. We kind of predicted what would happen on this podcast yesterday. So we got to be able to keep talking about what's happening with Rivian when new announcements come out. JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon today, we're going to talk about this later. He's saying that there's potentially a recession within the next six to nine months. And what that does mean, what does that mean for us in, as investors across the board? In Liverpool, for those of you who listen in the United Kingdom right now for this podcast, just letting you all know that we'll also be talking today about a strike that's happening at Liverpool currently right now and what that could mean for your potential economics situations in the UK currently right now. Finally, we got some news about the PC industry with HP, Lenovo, and Dell and how shipments are affecting Q3 while Apple bucks the trend currently right now. And finally, we'll end today's podcast talking about Chinese chip stocks. And we've been talking a lot about chip stocks on this podcast in the past, but there's some news that we need to be able to talk about what the U.S. government's doing to these Chinese companies. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Please also talk to your professional advisor as they'd understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Rivian shares slump after the company announced a big recall. Shares of Rivian Automotive opened sharply out lower Monday after the electric vehicle maker said late Friday that it is recalling more than 12,000 vehicles, nearly every EV it has made to date, to double check that its fastener and its vehicle stirring assembly was properly tightened. The stock was down more than 10% in the morning training Monday. The recall includes every Rivian R1T pickup and R1S SUV made through late September. As well, some of the of the EDV delivery vans, the company produced by uh, correction, the, the company produced for Amazon, twelve thousand two hundred twelve vehicles in all. Through the company estimates, that only about one percent of those have a defect. Through the end of September, Rivian has built about fifteen thousand three hundred vehicles, starting production in the fall of twenty twenty one. The company has set a goal to reach 25,000 vehicles produced by the end of the year. The defect involves a fastener in the front suspension that many have not have been tightened fully in some vehicles. If the fastener isn't tight, Rivian said, it could affect the alignment of the front wheels, potentially causing vibrations and noise and changing of the feeling of the steering. In rare instances, Rivian says the fastener could come completely loose, a situation that could lead to loss of steering control and potentially a crash. Nearly all the automakers, automakers have recalls from time to time, but, but the number involved in Rivian's and the potential consequences if a fastener works itself completely loose have investors concern. Web Bush analysis Dan Ivis, who follows Rivian closely, said in a Monday morning note that while the auto recalls are routine and is one is likely to be expensive, Rivian is under a bright spotlight. 
that further qualified or production issues could hurt the company standing with investors. This is a black eye for Rivian, Ivis wrote. Rivian said it's aware of seven reports on issues that could be related to the faster in question. It isn't aware of how many injuries related to the defect. The repair is simple. Rivian service centers will check the fastener and tighten them if needed. Rivian has noted affected customers and plans to complete the repairs within 30 days. The cost of the recall is unlikely to dent Rivian's substantial cash hoard. The company has $15.5 billion on hand at the end of the second quarter, far more than most rival EV startups. Rivian shares have fallen about 69% since the beginning of the year. We talked about this yesterday in yesterday's podcast. What's happening with Rivion? Well, they're not saying yet fully, but it probably has to do with the fact that at the production side of things, there's either someone's not doing their job properly, or maybe it's a machine that's not doing its job properly. Hard to tell. But the fact that Rivion shares are also down 69% since the beginning of the year, that says a lot about where the company's currently at right now. Even with the cash, cash hold of 15.5 billion on hand, it makes me wonder if they're going to be affected next quarter. I also hope too, if Rivion reports earnings in the future, that they don't use the excuse of, oh, because we had to spend some time fixing parts of our cars that we had sent out earlier, we, we weren't able to meet production goals. Remember, Rivion said recently that they would meet production goal quotas by the end of this year. Wall Street should hold them accountable for that. Now, will they? Is another story. But as of right now, Rivion shares, they're getting hammered today. Stay away from Rivion, unless you think it's an interesting story in the making. I personally don't think so. I think a lot of other companies could come and go to be able to provide those services that Amazon's looking for. I mean, Amazon does use it. And if you ever look outside your house, you might see an Amazon truck nearby. And that's most likely a Rivion truck of some sorts. But pay attention to the next earnings call. Whatever they say, they, hopefully they didn't use the excuse of they had to make repairs to their vehicles they sent out, hence why they weren't able to make quotas for the quarter or for the year. Now into some bigger news. This is serious. JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon warns, warns U.S. likely to tip into recession in six to nine months. JP Morgan's Chase CEO Jamie Dimon on Monday warned that a very, very serious mix of headwinds was likely to, to tip both the U.S. and global economy into a recession by the middle of next year. Diamond, the chief executive of the largest bank in the U.S., said the U.S. economy was actually still doing well at present, and consumers were likely to get in better shape compared to the 2008 financial crisis. Quote, but you can't talk about the economy without talking about the stuff in the future. And it is serious stuff, Diamond told CNBC uh, Juliana uh, Tatelbaum on Monday. Among the, among the indicators ringing alarm bells, Diamond cited the impact of runaway inflation, interest rates going up more than expected, the unknown effects of the quantitative easing and the Russian war in Ukraine. Quote, these are very, very serious time, uh, correction. These are very, very serious things, which I think are likely to push the US and the world. I mean, Europe is already in a recession and they're likely to put the US in some kind of recession six, nine months from now, Diamond said. His comments come at a time of growing concern about the prospect of an economic recession as the Federal Reserve and other major central banks raise interest rates to combat soaring inflation. Speaking to CNBC last month, Chicago Federal Reserve President Charles Evans said he's feeling apprehensive about the U.S. central bank going too far, too fast in its bid to tackle high inflation rates. The Fed raised benchmark interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point last month, the third consecutive increase of that size. The Fed officials have indicated that they would continue hiking rates well above the current range, the 3% to 3.25%. Diamond said that while the Fed waited too long and did little as inflation jumped four decades highs, the central bank is clearly catching up. From what here. From here, we let, correction, from where we let all wishes, wow, this is bad English right now. 
from here, we let's all wish him success. Well, that's a really bad English success and keeps our figures crossed. And they managed to slow down the economy enough to do whatever it is mild. And it is possible. He added, you know, I'm not going to question da- Jamie diamond on this because a few months ago, I think it was during the middle of summer, maybe it was before summer had started. He said that the United States and the economy was heading for some, there were storm clouds on the horizon. Maybe Jamie Diamond believes we're in the middle of the storm right now. Maybe he still doesn't believe that it has fully happened, but he is a pretty smart guy. Okay. He's helped JP Morgan Chase a lot as the CEO. He's one of the few CEOs where I say, if he's in charge of something, you're probably going to make money investing in, it, in that company. This is not financial advice. This is just something I've observed because if you look at trends, good CEOs are able to make companies grow even when it doesn't seem like there's any growth behind it, a lot of stuff. Jamie Dimon might be right here because it says here, continuing on, it says Dimon said he couldn't be sure how long a recession in the U.S. might last, adding the market participants should assess a range of outcomes instead. Quote, it can go from a mild to quite hard and a lot of reliance on what happens with the war. So I think it's to guess is hard. Be prepared. Diamond said one of the guaranteed he could be sure was that the volatility markets. He also warned that this couldn't coincide with disorderly financial conditions. As for his views on the outlook for the S&P 500, Diamond said the benchmark could yet fall by another easy 20% from current levels. And the next 20% would be much more painful than the first. I kind of agree with him there. But at the same time, well, I already have a feeling, and I've said this before in the past, in past podcasts, I think the U.S. has been in a recession for a while. I just don't think it's as painful here yet. And the only reason I say that is because we've read so many articles in the past about layoffs happening for companies. And we keep looking into this stuff. And we just keep finding this trend of layoffs are happening. Too many people were hired during COVID. And the pros at times just don't seem to get it. So, but... I mean, the S&P 500 could fall more than 20%. Could Maybe it can go to 30. Why not 30, Jamie? It's hard to tell. I mean, you can look around and you can get an idea. What you'll know for sure is if we are in a quote-unquote recession, there'll be a lot of businesses shut down. I do know there are parts of where I live currently right now when you drive around and you see the businesses that used to be there. They're no longer there. They're gone. That gives me an idea of where things are heading currently right now. Now, granted, it's only in one tiny, like, business section, but it gives me an idea of what's going on slowly. So keep an eye out what's happening. On to the across the pond to our friends in the UK. Second strike at Liverpool to add to European port congestion, slow productive delivery. Logistic experts are warning that another strike set at the port of Liverpool for Tuesday will only add to the existing delays in product delivery caused by prior strikes at Flexo and Liverpool. Dock workers in Liverpool, a significant UK port, and a port where the US is the number one trading partner, will start a seven-day strike from November, from October 11th to October 17th. The United Union told CNBC they will continue to hold these strikes until their pay matches inflation. Inflation in the UK is currently at 12.3%. Dang, that is high. Previous offers the union rejected were between 7 to 8.3%. Trade productivity at Flexto, the UK's largest container port, and Liverpool have suffered as a result of various labor strikes since August. As a result, the diversion of trade away from the ports have created a snowball of congestion at other ports in Europe. 
before the last round of strikes. Andreas Brom, Europe, Middle East and Africa Ocean Product Director of Crane Worldwide Logistics, was warning the delays in products arriving into the UK once off a vessel would be 45 days. Recently, the, U- the Unite Union said that they w- that they are not ruling out a third strike in Fe- Felixstowe. The prior strikes in Felixstowe may have ended, but congestion at the port is on the rise, said Alex. Supply chains in transit visibility lead at marine traffic. According to its data, on October 4th, the total TEU container capacity waiting off port limits was roughly three times higher than the usual reaching more than 99k TEU's containers. While the situation in Flexstow's worsens, other ports are being disrupted as a result of the prior strikes in Felixstow and Liverpool. The Southampton port has already started facing the disruptions. The weekly average of TEU capacity waiting off port limits seemed to be the highest record in recent months, reaching 37,593 TEUs the last week of September. Looking at the first day of the week, 40 of the situation deepens, he said. Braun told CNBC that the disruptions in the past strikes and the upcoming Liverpool strike is unquestionably aggravated the existing congestion. You know... It's good to see. Well, it's not really good to see, but at least here in the United States, I still have a firm belief that ports are being affected within the United States. I really, really wish that we could start using more robots at our ports. And all honestly, it would end a lot of issues, but that would also mean having to somehow dissolve some of the unions that are in charge. I mean, if these, if these workers want to get more pay, you got to allow new technology to come in to make your jobs a lot easier. At the same time, if you can get more out of the machines helping you, your pay might go up a little bit more too because they're not having to pay as many workers. You're, you're paying a machine mostly and the machine doesn't need to stop. But, but maybe that's what they're afraid of is that they'll lose their jobs to a machine. There are certain things that a machine can't do, like a machine can't look at paperwork, can't look to make sure that the cargo is correct, the number's correct. I guess if you put barcodes on the containers, but a lot of those containers might get affected when they're coming across the ocean. I mean, this is going to affect the U.S. in some way, shape, or form, especially if any company right now is delivering stuff to Liverpool. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if this port backlog keeps happening. What's going to happen then? There's got to be a way to start easing this whole issue of ships and containments. Because even still in Huntington right now, there are still ships that are sitting out there waiting to go into the Long Beach port. Okay. You know, we might not get to see as many as they are. I mean, maybe that's what someone should do. Someone should take a camera and take their plane and fly out over Huntington and be able to see if there's eight, how many ships are currently out there. Because the news obviously is not going to cover it. But if someone were to do that on YouTube, that would probably be a viral video in the making to see how many ships are currently waiting off the ports of Long Beach currently right now. I challenge someone to do that. They're listening to this podcast. But it's going to get interesting to see how much longer these ports can be backed up like this. Now into the tech industry. HP, Lenovo, and Dell see PC shipments continue to decline in Q3, while Apple bucks the trend. The personal computing market saw shipments continue to cool in the third quarter as demand wanted... Oh, correction, well... As, as demand waned the supply chain issues, persisted according to the data from International Data Corporation released Monday. Compared with this time last year, shipments were down 15%, st- which is still well above pre-pandemic levels. IDC founded global shipments total 74.3 million in the last quarter, down from 87.3 million during the same period last year. HP saw shipments decline about 28%. Dell shipments were down 21%. 
Lenovo 16%, while Apple bucked the trend with PC shipping rising 40% in the third quarter. AMD hinted at the headwind last week when the chipmaker cut its sales forecast on Thursday for the third for the third quarter, blaming a larger than expected decline in the PC market and supply chain issues. Investors will likely be watching for signs of weakness in the PC shipment when Microsoft and Intel report third quarter earnings this month. Microsoft is set to release results on October 25th, while Intel will report on October 27th. I expect Intel to get hit, to be honest. Okay, and the only reason I say that is. I recently had to, myself, I had to go buy an iPad. It was for work purposes, okay? I talked to some of, some people that I know whose kids who are currently in college, and one of the trends right now that's happening is a lot of kids are not buying laptops as much anymore. They're buying tablets, like the Microsoft tablet or the iPad of some way, shape, or form. Apparently, it's easier to use that in school right now than it is a laptop, I mean, laptops can be pretty bulky at times. And if you don't want to carry a lot of stuff on campus, then yeah, an iPad or a, a Microsoft tablet would be much easier to carry. Heck, even when I carry my iPad, when I go take stats for the volleyball matches that I do, it's a hundred times easier. It's so light in my bag. I don't have to worry about it like weighing me down when I'm having to travel to tournaments. But at the same time, maybe this is where the trend's going to be going soon. Maybe PCs are going to start evolving or let me not PCs, laptops in general. Because people don't want to carry bulky stuff as much anymore. They want to carry light things across the board. Young people are starting that trend right now. Because apparently in college, it's better to use a tablet right now. According to at least the two people I've talked to whose kids are in college right now. But I'm not saying that's the trend across the whole United States. That's just a very, 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 very small sample size. But it would make sense too. Because I remember when I was in college having to carry my laptop around and I didn't enjoy having to carry that hunky thing all, all around. So I don't expect Microsoft to get hit. I expect Microsoft to do pretty well. But then again, there have been reports where Microsoft's trying to get more out of its employees too. But maybe at the end of the day, Microsoft will do well. Intel, I don't expect to do well, especially since they only sell chips mostly. Unless the, the defensive chips are a different story for Intel. But the PC chips will probably be affected for Intel in some way, shape, or form. Speaking of chips, this is how we'll end today's podcast. Chinese chip stocks tumble after U.S. calls for new curbs on high-tech end. From Beijing, from CNBC. Chinese chip stocks fell Monday after the U.S. announced new export controls amid the, the limiting Beijing's ability to produce advanced military systems. The sweeping rules means companies must allow for a license if they want to sell certain advanced computing semiconductors or related manufacturing equipment to China. The U.S. Department of Commerce Bureau of Industrial Security, or the BIS, said in a release Friday. The rules affected this month expand on prior U.S. attempts to, to crimp U.S. companies' access to key tech. Notably, the changes also mean foreign companies will need a license if they use American tools to produce specific high-end chips for sale to China. Quote, these rules make clear that the foreign government actions that prevent BIS from making compliance determinations will impact a company's access to U.S. technology. Through additional to the entity list, the U.S. release. The U.S. said it would grant a temporary license from October 21st through April of next year to allow businesses to manufacture some of the high-tech products in China for outside the country. Continuing on the article, Chinese, China's largest chipmaker, semiconductor manufacturer, International Corporation, traded 3% lower Monday after in Hong Kong amid a broader market sell-off. Uh, the high, the Hong Semiconductor was down about 9%, while the Shanghai Fundamental Microelectronics plunged more than 20% as of Monday afternoon. 
Shares of U.S. shipmakers NVIDIA and AMD tumbled in Friday trading sessions as worries about falling demand dragged down the sector. The U.S. has been abusing export control measures to wantonly block and hobble Chinese enterprise. Chinese Minister of Foreign Affairs spokesperson Mao Ning said in a briefing over the weekend, according to the official English language transcript. Quote, such a practice runs counter to the principle of fair competition in international trade rules, she said. It will not only harm Chinese companies' legitimate rights and interests, but also hurt the interests of the U.S. companies. Yeah, it's in the U.S. interest not to allow China to get these chips if they are going to be using it, okay? Especially in their military equipment. We're in a time of war, and I don't think China realizes that. I mean, the U.S. itself isn't in the war. We're just shipping a lot of our stuff to Ukraine. But the world is in a war right now. Russia and Ukraine are fighting, okay? And we've been sending a lot of supplies to them, to Ukraine. And who knows what Russia's been getting from China or what they've been sending. Because think about it this way. The chips you might be selling to China, if they're for military purposes, we did put, I believe, sanctions on Russia for not having access to the chips, if I'm not mistaken. But this is just a theory. If a company sells to China these chips, what's to say China's not going to then sell those chips to Russia to fund its war efforts? Please explain that to me. The defense minister, the, the foreign affairs spokesperson from China, Mao Ning, please explain that to me. That'd be very interesting to hear your opinion on that. But sometimes these reporters don't seem to ask those questions to them. So continuing on, it says Mao didn't. Mao did not mention any plans for Chinese countermeasures. The global semiconductor supply chain is highly specialized. Only a few companies have the advanced tech, while China has been heavily invested in domestic players in attempts to catch up. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company dominates the manufacturing capacity for the world's most advanced semiconductors. Netherlands-based ASML is the world's, world's only company able to make high-complex machines that are needed to produce the most advanced chips. On the other hand, U.S. companies such as Lame Research KLA and Applied Materials are industrial leaders for other tools needed to make chips. You know, last thing we'll read too says it remains how how the damage in the U.S. U.S. restrictions will be on business. The U.S. government previously put Chinese companies Houzui, uh, I think that's how you say it, and SMIC on the blacklist that requires suppliers to obtain a license before selling them. But suppliers of the two companies received licenses last year to do billions of dollars worth of business according to Rudders. The U.S. Bureau of Industry and Secondary Estimate that the latest rule changes means it will receive at least an additional 1,600 new licenses applications a year. The U.S. Embassy in Beijing did not immediately respond to a CNBC request for comment on the report. You know, it's very simple, okay? This might be one reason why there's may have been such a huge push to get these machines and chip-making plants back to the United States, okay? We already know of three plants that have been made. Uh, Micron, Intel, I think was the other one. No, Intel hasn't reported. I know Micron for sure. I can't remember the other two. There's, there's been a lot. Oh, IBM. That's right. It was IBM and Micron are in New York. And I can't remember the last company in Ohio. But there's a reason why we wanted these chips made back in the States. At least if you're selling a military type chip, your, your quote unquote potential adversary might not be able to get access to those chips. And at the same time, chips are going to be a huge, huge commodity in the future, especially if the United States goes into a war soon. We're going to need chips, military chips, to be able to handle our rocket systems, whatever. You, I, I don't know the whole military side of things. I'm not, in, I'm not in the military, and I'm not 
interested in joining either, but I do know chips will be used a lot because there's a lot of advanced technology that keeps being made every single day. And those chips are going to be needed. It's, it's kind of going to be the new oil in the making. World War II, all the biggest resources that those countries needed during World War II was oil. That's something Japan needed when they, when they were fighting World War II. That's something the Russians needed as well. That's why the Russians went for Stalingrad because they were trying to reach those oil fields so that they can fund their efforts for the war. Oil will still be a big one, but semiconductor chips in the next major global con conflict, semiconductors are the next big resource that a lot of countries are going to need. I mean, we've already talked about it. Countries are forming alliances right now to stop China currently right now. It's only going to get a lot worse potentially, especially if new players enter the ring. Got India who's wanting to become a chip powerhouse. The United States is trying to get chips back into its country. Taiwan is a big factor and everyone's worried that China's going to invade Taiwan. China is paying attention to what Ukraine, how the Ukraine war is going because that might determine what they do next. Markets are going to be fun, but chips, they're going to be the next major resource in the making. That's my bet. If I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong, but that's my belief. It's going to be the next major resource if there ever becomes a conflict for the United States in the making. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today, fellow podcast listeners. If you've liked it, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription that we get on this podcast helped grow this channel so we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street and to see how the markets will be affected by news and events that are happening. Please also share with friends or family as they might be able to enjoy this podcast as well. And who knows? The more we share, the more we grow. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.